What's up, y'all, and thanks for tuning in to Josh You Trippin', a black guy's travel podcast. I just happen to be a black guy who travels named Josh, so if that's what you're looking for, then you're in the right place. On this podcast, I'll be sharing tips about places I visit, discussing topics surrounding traveling while black, and introducing you to amazing people from all over the world. So come along with me while I attempt to make this world smaller, one destination and conversation at a time. What's up, everybody, and welcome to season two, episode one of Josh You Trippin', a Black Guy's Travel Podcast. Did you miss me? I missed y'all. Sorry I've been away for so long, but you know, life happens and you got to do what you got to do. But anyway, we're back. Season two is going to be great, just like season one. This season, I'm going to be releasing monthly, and this year, we're just going to be focusing on telling and sharing dope stories from other BIPOC travelers and outdoor enthusiasts and other just dope folks. So without further ado, so in my travel journey, I've been really lucky to meet some really dope people along the way. And I've been able to go to some really amazing places. And a few years ago, my journey took me down the Silk Road where I met today's guest. And Everyone that I met on that trip, you know, everyone was really cool. Everyone did their own thing. But uh, this guy has literally been all over the world and largely done that on a motorcycle. So without further ado, meet Alex Chacon. Long story short, it was very dark at night. Couldn't see an obstacle. Hit the obstacle straight on. Got dumped off the bike. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's only my second accident in my entire life after traveling 70 countries on motorcycles. So it's not too bad. (laughs) What a great intro to this episode. Uh, (laughs) For everyone who's wondering who Alex Chacon is, I think that's a really great way to start. There you go. I'm the crazy guy who drove a motorcycle from Alaska to Argentina and around the world to 70 countries, and he comes home after all of that and has an accident. Great intro. Well, I think so. (laughs) So, okay. Where are you from? So, I am originally from El Paso, Texas, United States. I I am blessed to uh, be from a very big Mexican family, and um, my cultural heritage is a big part of what I do and who I am, so it's really nice to... uh, being a country now in the United States that allows for that diversity to exist and uh, being able to um, share a little bit of that in my travels and my YouTube and everything that I produce. That's awesome. How did you get into travel? Then? Tell, so, tell us your background. I, you have a strange background. You were trying to be a doctor? Yeah, so my background is very exciting, uh, yep. I like to think. So the way it worked out is, um, I, you know, I was born and raised here in Texas in El Paso on the border with uh, Mexico, New Mexico. Um, you know, very diverse place. And, um, you know, you're always taught that 
you're supposed to do something a certain way in a Mexican family. Uh, basically, you're supposed to have the kids, get the car, get the job, retire, travel, do everything. So I was actually in college, and I graduated college. I was doing the medical school thing. I was going to become a doctor. I was going to have that great life that everybody uh, in my family wanted me to have. And I ended up uh, taking a break uh, off med school, and I just decided to travel for a little bit because I was really burnt out. And um, my very first trip I thought would be for two months. So I jumped on the motorcycle, and that trip ended up being a 500-day trip from Alaska to Argentina and back in 500 days. And essentially, I had a blog, and the blog became pictures. The pictures became small bit clips on YouTube, and then it became more professional videos on YouTube, then it became vlogs. And now uh, my entire career is dedicated around travel, uh, backpacking, showing experiences, educating people, uh, driving motorcycles occasionally, and just having an epic, uh, amazing uh, experience in traveling the world and showcasing that through my Instagram, through my YouTube and Facebook, and uh, trying to bring everybody along for the adventure and have people think in different ways and uh, kind of open their minds to the world in, in a different perspective through my eyes and, you know, where I come from and my medical background and, you know, now doing digital media for a living. I love that. And uh, it's worth saying, Alex and I actually met in Uzbekistan of all places. The most romantic place on earth. <laughs> the most romantic place on earth. The, the coldest place on earth, um, but also a really amazing place. But um, you, you also took your, you didn't bring your motorcycle there, but you also went on a motorcycle adventure after we left Uzbekistan. Yeah. So, so what I did is I was looking to do a, mo so Uzbekistan, for anybody who doesn't know, is in Central Asia. It's, it's basically the, the centralized stand. So you have Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, you got all the cool stuff there. Um, so basically I said, well, I'm already near these other cool countries. After our conference that we attended um, and where we met, which is awesome, um, we got a great, you know, very specialized tour of the, the country, the cities, everything. It was super cool. But then I said, I really like to go off the beaten path. You know, you know, my thing is about the off the beaten path adventures, the unique things, the things you can't usually get to. And I was really looking to rent a motorcycle and drive around for two weeks and hit these different countries uh, around the area. And uh, it didn't work out because it was too expensive to rent a bike. So what I ended up doing is it was cheaper I said, I'll buy a bike, I'll sell a bike, I'll do that. And it became very complicated. So I said, I'll just rent a car. The car rental was so cheap, it was ridiculous. It was like US prices where it was like 15 bucks a day or 20 bucks a day. And I ended up driving for about two months. And um, yeah, got to see a few of the countries around there. And the motorcycle adventure uh, ended up becoming our car rental adventure. So I, I haven't gotten to the place in my travels where I feel brave enough to go on a solo completely kind of blind adventure around a country by yourself. Obviously, I just said so that's redundant. But <laughs> as an, especially as an other, you know, and in a different country, we're all others, right? So how did you, were you worried about that at all? Like getting around, not knowing the language? Well, everything that you're uncomfortable with, Josh, is something that I am excited about and I want to do and I strive to put myself in those situations where I'm like, okay, how do I get out of this one? Um, oh, it's so exciting for I'm an adrenaline junkie. Just to let you know, I'm a certified scuba diver. I'm a certified skydiver. I'm a certified paramotor. I'm a, I'm all these crazy certified things, right? Because I just love adventures in life and doing these epic things. So this goes along with doing epic things, and that's my entire thing oh. on my on my YouTube channel. You know, it's um, my theme is conquer the world. You know, that's my website conquertheworld.com. You know, my name Alex Chacon is where you can find me on social media to see my stuff, but. Um, basically it's about doing the most incredible, awesome things, uh, at the same, you know, while having an incredible time and sharing of the world. So 
it's I, I go looking for situations where it's difficult to survive, where it's a logistical nightmare to, you know, drive uh, a motorcycle across Nepal during the rainy season or whether it's uh, driving a scooter across the Sahara in Egypt or whether it's renting a car uh, in Central Asia and driving around for two months with a language you speak nothing of. And basically, you're there using Google Translate off your phone at the borders, and they're asking where you're from. And while you have a rental car from Uzbekistan coming into Kazakhstan, and you can't speak a lick of Russian, but you're there just trying to translate and throw papers at the people and trying to, I don't know, that whole chaos and that whole uncertainty of what can happen, where to go. Um, it's just so darn exciting. And it's incredible to be able to uh, share that with the world. It's nice to hear you talk about it because it sounds like you get excited even just talking about it. So that's. That's interesting. I'm not there. Um, you haven't inspired me to do that just yet, but it's nice to hear you talk about it, and I'd like to hear your, your, your adventure. Yeah, well, I always like to tell people is, you know what, if you want to go out there and explore and do some really cool stuff, and you don't need to be the crazy, uh, insane, ridiculous, non-planning guy like I am. Um, you know, it can start with a weekend adventure around town. I do a lot of stuff here near my hometown of El Paso. We have the White Sands National Park, we have Carlsbad Caverns, we have Roswell, New Mexico, where all the aliens supposedly landed. Um, so there's a lot of stuff just within a day trip of where I am. And I, you know, I've been trying to do that stuff uh, when, you know, during the pandemic, you can't travel much. Um, so there's always an adventure and there's always a story somewhere, even in your hometown or wherever it is. So whether you go off for an adventure for a year or you go off for an adventure for an hour or a day, um, there's always something interesting and unique uh, to challenge yourself with and to look for and to find. So I encourage people to, to look a little far, look, look a little further beyond just, you know, the PubMed and the, the big resorts around the world. You know, you'll find a story with, you know, a, your grandma that never told you something before, or whether it be, you know, a local cuisine dish or a little hole in the wall. Uh, hot dog stand on your street or something. It's just, there's always something there. You just got to go out and want it and look for it. That's a great point. I mean, I, one of the things that I've been trying to do too around here is just to go and explore and take road trips because that's COVID safe enough. Um, but also you can, there's so much that you just can't, you don't know exists until you go see it. So I love that, you know, local travel is just as important as international travel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but where, what, what's been your favorite, I kind of want to ask two versions of this question. <laughs> what's been your favorite trip? Yeah. And then what's been your craziest trip? Uh, that's, uh, that's like asking if you had 10 kids, which is the one you love the most, I, right? I know, I know. That's why I was hard. So was hard I would ask. say that my most, like, uh, both, you know, my most favorite and the craziest one was definitely my Alaska to Argentina on a motorcycle in 500 days because it was my first international trip at 23 years. I'm 33 now, and I was 23 when I first started doing this. And I did this ridiculous trip where it's your 10 year anniversary. It, it kind of is this year. Yeah. So it was an incredibly difficult thing to leave medical school, a financial security, uh, a girlfriend at the time and my whole life ahead of me. And no, just nobody really agreed with what I was doing. And my parents weren't really supportive because they were they didn't know how it would go. And I was risking a lot and I had so much going for me. So when I told them, I'm going to sell everything I have, including my car, my TV, my clothes, everything I need. Uh, to get as much money as I can to travel for a long period of time, uh, which I thought originally was for two months, um, leaving the door and leaving my town and not coming any and not having anything to come back to was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, but that trip was the most challenging thing uh, during, before, and after. It's just it was the most intense. Um, 
human experience um, I've ever had. It, it, I went through the happiest times of my life to the saddest, most depressing moments of my life to the most challenged, frustrated, angry, blissful, uh, nirvana feeling like moments. And that trip basically uh, formed and created the man that I am today. And that. to give you some examples, because so, people are going, I'm sure people are going, how, how is that possible? Well, first of all, like, yeah. um, you know, just completing a dream, saying I drove from polar end of, end of the earth to polar end. It was such a big achievement, something I've been dreaming about for many, many years. Then when I visited the salt flat in Uyuni, which is the world's largest salt flat in Bolivia, Uyuni, um, I had this really like out of body experience because the, the, la- the salt flat fills up like a lake and there's no wind. So it becomes the world's largest mirror. So as I'm standing there on the motorcycle in the middle of nowhere, I can't see anybody from 360 degrees around. I just like was like, wow, this is a whole other world over here. And then there's been moments where you meet people in like Central America that have never seen a, a foreigner in six generations before. And you touch their lives and, and you bring a little bit of joy and smiles and curiosity to them. And they say, wow, we, we would love to have you back someday. This is the first time we've ever seen a foreigner in our village. I, I love that perspective because... One of the things that I had to keep telling myself, and as Black people, when we travel, uh, we talk about this a lot, we are often looked at as being like some, you know, we're stared at and gawked at and, you know, fawned over and stuff to the point where it's just really uncomfortable. Uh, but then you think about it, and a lot of these people have never seen, like you just said, seen a foreigner, and they take it as a privilege. Uh, and maybe, and of course, their culture is different. So the way they show their appreciation or their adoration may be, you know, a bit much for us. It is still something that I think that as, as global citizens, we are supposed to be impacting people's lives all over the planet. And I think that, you know, giving, a, giving them a taste of who we are improves their humanity. As yeah, well. so interesting that you mentioned it that way, because the way you interact with people, you know, the treatment, whether you're black, white, purple, pink or black, whatever it is. Um, it is so different in different parts. So, for instance, when I when I go to the Middle East, I uh, you know I have a very Spanish Middle Eastern look to me, even though you know, I'm Mexican. Uh, so people speak to me in Arabic, and I have no idea what they're they're telling me, you know. And um, mm-hmm. so you know, there's that interaction. And I saw this guy, uh, redhead Irish guy, travel to Africa, and all they all the people wanted to do in Africa is touch his hair and touch his his uh, his curly mm-hmm. his curls and his red. They were just so fascinated by that. So he had to sit there while. 20, 50 people were just rubbing their hands through his hair. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's other countries where I get pulled over, like in, I was in Germany at the airport and the, the cops just looked at me and they said, all right, we're going to secondary search you and we're going to, uh, we're going to, you know, look through everything and make sure you're not going to say, well, why'd you pick me out of a crowd of a thousand people? And it's just because I was a tall, Arabish looking man. So it's interesting how that works. Well, yeah. So you actually, this is a great segue um, to talking about white passing privilege when traveling because yeah i could look at you and say that you are probably not just a white dude but you could easily pass as a white dude yeah i'm very Um, fortunate so (laughs) yeah but you're so you're ethically ambiguous but you can also like you just said you can pass as someone middle eastern you can pass as someone who is hispanic you know latinx so how how do you I mean, I, you can see the benefits in that, but I, do you do you ever start seeing any issues with it? Like, how do you feel when you're traveling? Or do, is that something yeah, you think so about? Yeah, so again, it's, it depends where you're traveling to and the time frame you're traveling to, because um, it all depends on what's going on in the world as well. But yeah, I've had situations, you know, I'm very, I'm 6'2", six, I'm six you know, I'm pretty well built. And 
Uh, nobody tends to mess with me. Okay, okay, Alex. <laughs> hey, this is part of the segue. Gas ourselves up on this. Okay, so, okay. you know, that being said is that people don't usually mess with me. People don't usually try to rob me. They don't, they, 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 I'm a big presence when I'm in, you know, countries where the average height is 5'5 five, five or something. So that, for instance, when I'm in India, I, you know, I'm like a foot taller than most people. And when I've had people try to like mess with me and they, they end up not, not doing it because they're like, oh, this guy's big. Um, so, you know, in different countries, um, I do blend in as being white. So in Spain, you know, for instance, I feel like, you know, nobody really knows that a foreigner, but uh, you end up going to uh, Morocco or something. And yeah, you just people start noticing it's, um, it's a little different. So, you know, I've, I've experienced everything from people being okay that I look Westerner uh, and then people not being okay of me looking Western. And I've been on the opposite saying uh, me looking, you know, European or Arab or whatever have, have you um, working well for me and not working well. There was a situation where um, I actually almost got thrown in jail because of the way I looked in the Middle East. I won't mention the country, but if you go to my, uh, you go to my YouTube, you'll see some of the videos on that. But it's, um, it was really weird because I said, um, you know, I, I, may, I may look like somebody that might be an issue, but I'm not. Look, I'm American. I'm doing this. And it was very difficult to get out of that situation. I do want to hear more about it, so I'm going to, I guess to so. YouTube and find out. Good marketing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good marketing, um, which is, well, it's not a good segue yet. But so I want to go back to something you said earlier, which I thought was interesting, and I hope this isn't too personal. You can tell me when to shut up. But you mentioned your family now, so, and you mentioned, which I've heard before, which is, you know, characteristics of the Mexican family. Um, which, you know, there's a, a track that you're supposed to follow, which is similar to like, you know, black families in, in a way. Um, how has it been for you to like get out of that? And do you still find like your, your family is supportive of like what you're doing now? And yeah, where do you So it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, like every like homogenous culture there is like the, the Asian, the Asian community to the black community, to the Mexican community. I think those values are, are very much more heavily rooted in this process of, uh, of the way society sees our lives going, which is, you know, structure yourself, college, uh, school, girlfriend, uh, married kids, house, travel, everything. I don't know. There's like a certain structure that's so deeply ingrained that they tell you almost every single day you're growing up in, uh, in your culture that, uh, it's kind of indoctrinated into you the, the expected that way. Um, so, you know, my, my parents now are my biggest fans. Um, at the beginning, they didn't know that I could, you know, they thought I was throwing away a medical career and being successful in that. So they didn't understand that. I didn't understand either. I just left and I did my thing and I posted my things just for fun. And I wanted to have an epic experience. Um, but it ended up becoming a career, funny enough, without even trying. So, the, you know, it was difficult to overcome the, the many years of being told and my, you know, friends and family and cousins pursuing a certain path in life that was very normal. And we were told that's what it, that's what it needs to be. And um, that was the hardest part was saying, no, that's not what I want in my life. I need something different. And, you know, I overcame it by, by this innate feeling and uh, intuition, if not instinct, that says this doesn't feel right to me. And I think a lot of people, whether, you know, in their personal life, in their job, and something. If something doesn't sit with you right, you know it. A lot of people put up with it. They do their nine to five, um, but they don't, they're not really honest with themselves. And um, what I ended up doing was just letting the honesty kind of spill out and having no filter and just say, this is, this is what I need to do regardless of the consequences and the sacrifices I'm, I'm about to make with my life and my career and having to leave a girlfriend behind and everything like that. So um, 
yeah, I mean, I sacrificed a lot, but eventually I ended up uh, be, get, getting free, becoming free. So that was kind of like my process. And what's interesting now, what's going on with the um, the Asian community um, having a lot of um, issues right now. Uh, people just, I don't know if you saw in the news, but there was that guy that got, the Asian guy that was just walking on the street and some guy just ended up pushing him and beating him up. And um, there's been an influx of, of, of harassment that way in this country. So it's, it's always, you know, it's always a, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's always a, it's always a revolving circle, you know, for a few months or a year, it's, it's a certain ethnicity. Then the next few months, it's another ethnicity and it's another. So honestly, it's always going on. It's just that each ethnicity kind of gets their highlight every now and then. Well, so I work in DNI, and and this is like what we, we focus on. And I think about this all the time. It, 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 it was almost like when we were uh, a few years ago, we were all just kind of waiting for the next school shooting. You know what I mean? And it really just becomes like a, a trending thing. These things are happening all the time. It's just a matter of what is actually shown uh, in media, which things are actually picked up and, and carried. It's just unfortunate that we have to think of it that way. We compartmentalize too high to, to uh, it's not like black people are, are marginalized from January to March and then as Asian and then as Mexicans. These are happening all the time, but it's just, we can't see it all and maybe we can, we just don't. Yeah, no, it's definitely always there. And, um, you know, at least this last year here in the United States in 2020, there was um, a huge up, uproar and a huge uh, awakening to um, the situation that's really going on. Ugh, don't even get me started on this awakening that is happening in this damn country. That should let me not. So, speaking of the events of the world, um, how has that now all of these events? How has that shifted your understanding of race? And then, post COVID, when we're allowed to go international again, what do you think the American image is gonna be? to people. Definitely the pandemic is a huge, huge thing that's kind of riled up everybody. And that's, you know, countries closing themselves off to segregation to, you know, to racism everywhere. I don't know. It's managed so weird and differently. Some governments have just been precautious. Some other have been racist. Some other have been uh, politically, uh, you know, influenced in some way to make certain changes in policy. I don't know. It's a really weird time. But I think you know, this whole thing has has shooken up a lot of dust from under the carpet and it's really bringing out the worst in people. And there's been a lot of good, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I think some of the f things that have happened here in the U.S. for sure have um, have really kind of brought the light, you know, the underneath history uh, between races and people in this country. So what I see has happened is basically this whole stir of things. So it's like the whole pot's being stirred. And I think what we're going to end up is, um, you know, this country has always evolved. It's always progressed. It's always moved on forward. But it, it takes a period of of struggle, of growth, and it comes with pain, and it comes with sacrifice, and it comes with um, you know a whole lot of heartache. And um, I have no doubt that we'll that we'll move past forward, and we'll continue to be progressive and and be able to shift, alter, and improve um, on from past situations and policy changes. And I think it's all there. It's just. Um, it's just a matter for the older generations to, you know, kind of keep up with the evolution of, of life and humanity and, and that we all want to just live at peace and we don't want war, most of us, and uh, we're here just to live life uh, yeah. as organically and best as possible. And 
do good and not try to do bad. And uh, people get caught with the um, with the small details and nuances that you know the majority of us don't don't think of or don't don't believe in. Well, we have to be careful too. It's not just the old generation that needs to keep up. Uh, the older generation has the old generation. I think social media has inspired a newer, younger generation who's also following in the same footsteps. We have to understand or remember that racism is not something that just happened back then. Uh, and then, like, those people were infected with it. was like a disease that they were infected with at the time, like coronavirus. And then now, all of a sudden, it's disappeared. Those things are deeply entrenched. And, yeah, there's progress. But I think that it, it takes consistent work. And I don't like the idea that we have come to terms with uh, accepting the fact that change is going to take such a long time and that we are giving people a pass to take their time to change and or to catch up or speed up. I think that there, the reckoning that's happening in this country is great, but I am someone who is very, very slow to admit progress in this area, considering that, you know, people should have never been enslaved to begin with. So, and I think that's just the thing that we can't even agree on now. So, uh, so I think that that is this value of this belief of seeing someone as lesser, anyone uh, is a problem, but you know, I digress. And that's, I understand that it will take time because you can't just snap your fingers and make people be better. But it's just unfortunate that we, we think that being better people is is that is that yeah, hard of a job? Uh, well, that's uh, that's what you know. I agree with. Um, I wish the change could be faster, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So back to traveling and your job. You said you are your full time travel blogger. COVID has obviously restricted you. Um, you're still able to do some things domestically. Right. I just actually right? finished a road trip around the United States. I did a sixty day, sixty five day road trip. Um, across 10 states on the southwest and i drove over eight almost ten thousand miles and uh actually all that content is uh has most of it's been already released on my youtube channel and i have some more stuff coming up here in the following weeks but um yeah trying to travel uh is a bit difficult right now but luckily for me i filmed so much before the pandemic hit that i'm actually still releasing brand new videos mm -hmm. uh, from kazakhstan other videos from uh, kurzakstan videos from philippines videos from Egypt, from uh, India. I have a huge backlog, so um, yeah, you'll you'll constantly find some really cool uh, travel stuff on my uh, YouTube being uploaded. Yeah, I'm still seeing new stuff from you. I'm like, how? And I, I keep wanting to ask you, like, are you there right now? Are you like that one picture that I saw of you in Africa? I'm like, how the hell did you get to Africa right now? So it's. It's it's great to see that you you know you're still putting on this yeah. this. Uh, I mean, I try not to say people out saying, "Oh, you know, I'm doing this." And I basically say, "Listen, my my Instagram stories are always up to date, day by day, so you know what's happening." But I will be post. You know, you can't be creating awesome epic pictures every single day. So I basically pe people know that you know I'll be just posting random right. stuff uh, from all parts of the world I haven't posted before. New stuff I've had, uh, you know, in the archives and secret stuff. And you know, when you go somewhere, you want to get as much content as possible. So I try to produce as much so I can just spread it out over the year mm -hmm. and not kill myself trying to get a really great picture every single day because my stuff is like um cinematic really beautiful stuff it's not i'm not an influencer that does like beauty products or has a studio home where i can just you know get a ring light and do all the mm -hmm. stuff i need to do it's like yeah. it requires me hiking a, a mountain for eight hours it requires me flying a drone in like you know restricted airspace in different countries or uh you know just crazy things that are just really neat 
Yeah, I, I was just going to say that I appreciate the about your your blog is that you are actually informational. Like you, you give information, and you it's not so much about you and um, and I appreciate that because I think that's what like travel as travel bloggers as travel uh, creators we should be talking about the location. Yeah. Well, location. It's it's hard to kind of be in a society now where you want to be entertained, and there are, our attention span as the years go on gets lower and lower. I mean, just look at the way, you know, YouTube first started as long format and then it became Instagram and it became the Snapchat stories. And now it's like the, the three to two minute videos or one minute videos on Facebook work the best. And I don't know, it's this whole weird transition where it's, um, you just have to go with the, with where the, unfortunately where the youth goes, you know, it's like, um, it's 50, it's where, yeah, it's, that's where, where a lot of the goes. you know opportunity is. That's where brands are marketing to. So yeah, and even tourism boards as well. You know they're no longer going for the um, you know the tourism boards around the world used to go for like the old elderly couple, the you know the people who've done life and are just looking to retire. So you get the luxury thing. But now you know they're going towards the millennials, which is more like you know eco friendly resorts where it's more like make a make a difference or hotels that contribute back to the community, which is really great progress. But it's um, what's happening now on, on the uh, social media, on you know, uh, TikTok to YouTube to Facebook to Instagram, is you got to grab people's attention quick. You know, people, you know, it, 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 you'll always find people saying, "Oh, look at me, look at my life," blah blah blah. But there's those of us who try to who try to mix that entertainment with a little bit of education, a little bit of change. So the hardest obstacle that I found nowadays is being able to get some education and get some interest uh, into subjects and places and, and things um, that that is quick, concise, and that, you know, the people of the internet would, would want to quickly take a look at because, you know, you're swiping through pictures once every two seconds and you're not really getting that information. So it's a, it's a bit of a tough world trying to get people to listen to uh, about important information, about interesting information, and not only just entertain people, but... Um, you know, leave with some, after you watch a 20 minute video on YouTube, sometimes you say, oh my God, well, I, I didn't learn a single thing or like, this is just a waste of time. But at least with my videos that are three to minute, about three minutes long each, you say, oh man, I just learned about 50 things I never knew, but it was still entertaining. So I hope, um, I hope people are able to enjoy that type of formatting rather than uh, watching random people dance and voice over a bunch of stuff for 15 seconds on TikTok. Where do you want to go next after you? After Anywhere COVID? that's Where's open. the first place you're going to go? <laughs> Any... <laughs> so, as you can see, Alex Chacon has been around the block or two. So, Make sure you guys follow him along on his journey, www.conquertheworld.com. You can also find him on Instagram, alexchacon underscore official. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And since you made it this far, I take it that you might actually like me and want to follow me. So you can find me on all the socials at Trippin with no G because I'm cool like that. But I did spell out the U because mama ain't raised no fool. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a new episode and check out my website at www.joshutrippin.com. Stay tripping, y'all. Peace.